Well, hey, if you've got uh, your Bible with you, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Uh, and if you want to use your phone, uh, we've got a, a digital bulletin in the Bible app. And uh, you've got a, a copy of our notes and outline for today, uh, as well as the, a link to the scripture. So, um, man, I want to take a moment. If you were here with us last week or if you were watching online, uh, I mentioned a good friend of mine, Hope Juarez, from the Kentucky Baptist Convention, was here. And he jumped into our series on Hebrews. Uh, and he talked about how, uh, man, we, we need to enter into rest. And Jesus is the only way that we do that. And I uh, reached out to him this week to thank him. And I especially thanked him for an illustration he used. Uh, he talked about he and his wife watching Netflix together. And she made the comment to him that she didn't just want him to watch a chick flick with her, right? She wanted him to want to watch a chick flick with her. And he talked about how that was really getting at the heart of the issue. Uh, that, man, sometimes the Lord doesn't just want our obedience. He wants our hearts. And uh, this warning that we've been dealing with in the passage for the last couple of weeks, this warning in the book of Hebrews, uh, it, it's about doubt. And doubt is ultimately about God wanting you to want to be with him. Uh, when, when we doubt, there's a piece of our heart that we want to, to withdraw, to hold back, because we're, we're uncertain, we're unsure. And when there's a, a part that's, that's not engaged, that doubt exists. So last week, Hobe talked about how that doubt causes us to not be able to enter into rest, how, how we're weary and we can't get to rest when that doubt is there. This week, th this warning passage closes, this section of the book closes in verses 12 and 13, and it talks about the solution to our doubt, the solution to our, our weariness. And so I, I do just want to read these couple of verses that will serve as our, our verses for today. And then pray for our time in the Word. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. <clears throat> it says, For the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Father, thank you for being our Father, but thank you for giving us your word. What a gift that the Father of all creation, our Father, would give us his will, his heart, his plans, his love, his grace in the form of Scripture. And so, Lord, we pray that today you would impress upon us that, that your word doesn't just give us answers for life, but it's, it's the answer. It is the answer. It shows us the way to you, to enter and to rest, to rest from our weariness, to, to, to find relief from our doubt, to be able to walk and journey through this life and, and pass on to those uh, after us the things of greatest importance, your words. Man, we're so grateful, not only for your word, but for your word in the flesh, Jesus, who came to us to die for our sins and to save us. We pray all these things and trust him in Jesus' name. Amen. We did spend the week at the beach, and so if there are an overabundance of illustrations about water, sand, and family time, forgive me. 
But thus we begin. Magnolia was, uh, it was, I don't know if it was her first time at the beach, but it was her first time knowing she was at the beach. And uh, she was awesome. No fear of the water, which is good and bad. And in the mornings, when, once we would get down there, she would spend about the first 15, 20 minutes full force in the water. I mean, or she'd pick up a bucket and she'd be making rounds. But inevitably, she would get to this point where she was sensing that she was tired. And in her cute two-year-old's word, two-year-old words, say, Daddy, I need to go home to the Tondo. I need to go home to the Tondo and get my pappy. That she knew that just playing in the water, man, nothing, nothing makes us more weary than, than being tossed around in the waves of the ocean, right? Like just water and saying, you get tired. And she needed to go home to the Tondo and get her pappy. Uh, a couple of days this week, we were able, able to enjoy uh, the result of that weariness as parents, uh, and she would just crash. We learned after the first day that the best solution was to bring the pappy to the beach and not go home to the Tondo. Uh, but it was a good week, and we enjoyed that. And it was th that reminder, right, that, that nothing, nothing makes us more weary than being tossed around by waves. James uh, authored a book of Scripture with the help of the Spirit, and he wrote this in chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. He says, Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. That's this issue that the author of Hebrews has been warning us about. Don't doubt. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So James says that, that doubts in life cause us to be tossed around, like the waves of the sea can toss us around. And, and as Magnolia has shown us, that wears us out. And we've been talking about this, this doubt and this weariness for the last few weeks. Uh, doubts these days are coming in, in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Uh, I'll quickly run through the list, but many of you are aware. Corona raises all kinds of doubts, like should we let herd immunity begin to work? Is there a second round coming? Uh, do I need to wear a mask? We're unsure. We're uncertain. There's doubts. Fake news. I mean, is there any news source anymore that is reliable and, and without a, a tainted bias? Racial tension. How will I love and how will I be loved by people of other ethnicities in light of the racial tension that we are experiencing in our world? The political climate, right? Like it's an, it's an election year. Are there people that I feel good voting for? Is there anybody that I can vote for and not have doubts about? And it, it, it exists in parenthood. We begin to doubt and wonder, am I doing this thing right? Will my ch child be able to, to have the life that I've always hoped that they would, would have? Am I training my child up in the way that they should go? Or, or maybe our doubts are in our marriage relationship. And we begin to ask, are we going to make it? Can we do this? We've been at it for a while, but do we have what it takes? Is our marriage built on the right foundation so that it can sustain over time? Maybe our doubts are spiritually. We're just beginning to wonder, do I even know the Lord? Do I have a real relationship with Him? And these doubts, they make us weary. They toss us around like the waves. Too often, life wears us out as we try to navigate all these waves of culture and fake news and, and evil intentions. And so some of us, 
And this is, a, this is a good thing to do. Many of us have, have found that if we just turn things off, whether it be the news or social media or, or some relationship that's unhealthy, we just, we just turn it off. But if that's all that we do, we just, we're waiting for it to return because whenever we return, all those things are still there. So what can we do? What, what can we do to, to battle back against this weirdness and to actually enter into the rest? It's tiring to ask that. We walk out of here and we feel like we're just going back into the waves of the sea, the doubt. It causes you to keep looking for answers. Now, as believers, we might know and trust that God's word gives us answers. That when we're searching, we can go there and, and, and hopefully find some answers. But today, I want to look at this passage and, and I want us to, to be convinced that God's word doesn't just give us answers, but it's the only answer. And I think there's three evidences of it in this passage that I want to address really quickly and then give us a challenge as we go. Three reasons God word, God's word is the only answer. First, God's word is, is sharp. We see in the first verse, verse 12, for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 support this idea, right? It says, All Scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What does this mean that it's, it's living and effective and sharp and that it cuts and it divides between things? Charles Brock was a, a missionary and church planner in the Philippines, and he, uh, in one of his books, writes about a moment uh, uh, that he had as he was going to places that had never heard the good news of Jesus and planting churches among them. In this one instance, he had uh, gone, taken a day, and he'd gone to several villages, and he'd shared the good news of Jesus with them, and he'd left them with New Testaments. And when he did, the, the current religious leaders that were in these communities found out about that, and they were threatened by that. And they warned their people that, that they were not to interact with Mr. Brock anymore. It was in that spirit that he writes that story. He, he'd returned a few weeks later to these villages to, to see if anybody had, had stuck with their faith and if churches could be planted. And he learned that, that what had been happening. And as he came to this one village, he said, I, I came to the tree where I'd met the people from this village. And, and a man came out with one of the New Testaments. And the man handed it back to Mr. Brock, and, and he said, I, I cannot keep this book, and I've been told that we cannot listen to you anymore. So Mr. Brock looked back at him, and he said, I can't take that Bible from you. I can't take it back. He said, I told him, this is God's word to everyone. It's, it's God's word to everyone. And, and it tells you, of the new way of life. It tells you how to be with Jesus, right? It is living and active and effective. It's for you. But the man continued to push. And so Mr. Brock said, I don't usually do this, but I was prompted by the Spirit. He said, I took the New Testament, I opened it, I laid it on the ground, and I asked him if he had a match. The man went and got a match. He said, I lit the match. And he said, I, I just took it closer and closer to Scripture. He said, fortunately, right as I was getting ready to the pages, the match went out. He said, so I asked the spirit again, and he's like, do you have another match? And the guy went and got another match. 
He said, I lit the match, and as I was coming close to Scripture again, he said, the man, obviously emotional, cried out, I will keep it. And a church was planted in that village. The Word of God is sharp. It's living and active and effective. It's working in ways that we can't even discern because it divides between joint and marrow, soul and spirit. And there was something about God's Word that even this man who was encountering it for the first time knew made it effective in his life. The Bible is, is powerful and meaningful. It, it never leaves a person undecided. Indecision is a negative decision. But wherever the Bible goes, it touches and affects life. It's, it's not an ordinary book. It's God's Word. God's Word is sharp. There's nothing else in the universe that cuts through the realities of life like it does. But not only is God's Word sharp, it judges. It judges. This passage in verse 12, the end, says, It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Think about how valuable that is. To know the intentions of the heart. Proverbs 16, 1 and 2 says, The reflections of the heart belong to mankind, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs motives. And we find comfort in that, but we should also be challenged by that. I want you to think for just a moment about the number of things that you can reflect on, that you can have thoughts or opinions on, but that you have not taken time to consider what God's Word thinks about them. You see, I can reflect on racial tensions, but it's what God's Word says that matters. I can reflect on my Enneagram number or my personality profile, but it, it's what God's Word says that matters. I can reflect on politics. I can reflect on issues of gender and sexuality. I can give my thoughts on, on how all those things interact with each other. I can reflect on the, the impact of coronavirus. I can reflect on whether or not I'm a good person or how I'm going to respond to sin in my life. I can reflect on all those things, and it's good. But it, it's what God's Word says that matters. And as a result, you and I should immerse ourselves first in God's Word. Not to go and try and find out exactly what Scripture says about those things, but simply to be immersed in it so that when I think about those things, God's Word is flowing in and through me. Philip Holmes, a seminarian, applied this idea directly to the race conversation in America when he tweeted this. Christian, if you're not reading your Bible and praying, stop asking for resources on race. That was challenging and convicting to me. Because when you cease to allow God's word to, to judge the thoughts and intentions of your heart, your ability to speak life into the community and culture around you will eventually cease. Because when you do it that way, you're giving yourself authority that you don't really have. And that kind of authority is false. It's fake. It's not real. Because God's word is the thing that judges all things. It's the authority. God's word breathed everything into existence. And nothing else in our universe can even come close to that claim. God's word is sharp. It judges. But we also see in this passage that it exposes Verse 13 says, No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You see, reading God's word helps us to have honest conversations with God about what's happening in our hearts and minds. It gives us eyes to see what we could not see before. You know, we think, we buy into this idea that we know ourselves better than anyone else. 
But in actuality, we see ourselves only as much as God reveals to us who we are. The first revelation to us in Scripture is that he created us. And closely after that is that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We don't know much about ourselves until we know those two things. But the good news is, the one who exposes our sin through Scripture is the same one who covers our sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they realized their nakedness and they hid. God exposed their sin. But then in his grace and in his mercy, he covered them. He made animal claws for them. He covered their nakedness before sending them out into the world. God's word, listen, this is, this is what makes it so hard. When you get into God's word, it exposes you again and again and again. The more you read God's word, the more you're going to need to repent. But the one who exposes you is the same one who covers you. And that's why we come back, because his word is living and active and effective. I love what Jesus himself says about this in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. It says, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. We've maybe heard that before. But then it says, for you say, I'm rich. I've become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed in your shameful nakedness, not be exposed, and ointment to spread in your eyes so that you may see. He says, look, you guys are fooled. If you were in my word, if you were, if you were getting things from me and from my word, you would know, you would be exposed to how wicked and how awful you really were. But I will cover that in my grace. You see, God's word doesn't just give us answers. It's the only answer. You know, one of the benefits of being on the beach with your family is you get to spend a lot of time with your kids, and uh, you get to teach them a lot of things, right? A lot of little life things that, that are just fun. Uh, one of the first things that... Uh, we did when we went to the ocean. I took Tinley and Preston, I think, the first night we were there. And we went down, and you want to remind your kids that if they get caught by an undertow or if they drift down the beach, like, that can, that's a real thing. That can happen. You can end up a long way from where you started, right? So we walk out a little ways into the water, and I, I'm like, guys, turn around. Like, look at where we are. That's our building. How are you going to know that's our building? And Tinley's like, well, two houses down, there's a like crazy blue roof. I'm like, that's it, all right? Crazy blue roof, like, good. We got it, right? And so from that, that was our point of reference. Like, and it was so fun just to, to teach them about that. And it's fun to teach them about how to navigate the waves, right? And when a wave's crashing, you can go under it, you can turn sideways, like all, all these things. You just, it's fun to do that. Today, I want to challenge us, whether you're a dad or a mom or a spiritual dad or a spiritual mom, if you believe that God's word doesn't just give us answers, but that it's the only answer, then there is nothing more valuable, nothing more important to spend your time on than teaching your kids how to hear from God's word. 
To me, there was nothing more important, uh, the very first thing to get out in the water than to say, look, this is where we are and this is how you get back to there. There is nothing more important in our, in our kids' lives than to teach them how to hear from God's word. Now, if you don't believe that God's word is the only answer, then, then I want to take a moment and just share Jesus with you. When you're going through the deep waters of life, when you're doubting, when you're not sure where Jesus is, when, you're, when you don't know what to do, when you're going through those times that are deep enough that you're not sure you're going to make it, or the ones where you're not sure your feet will ever hit the ground again and the waves just are crashing again and again, when you're going through waters that deep, Jesus is already there. He's waiting for you to turn and reach out and grab him. And I know that because of what his word says to us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. And it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. If you need to accept that gift today, you can text at New Life CCC to 81010. Um, if you're here with us, you can tell the person who brought you that you need, to, you need to reach out. The water is deep and you need Christ. Don't miss out on, on Jesus' gift of life to you. But if you do know Jesus, and if you do believe that God's word isn't just, doesn't just give you answers, but it's the only answer, then let's talk about how you can have a plan to, to keep diving into Scripture so that you don't get swept away by the waves of doubt and indecision. Michael Casey, in his book, Sacred Reading, talked about reading Scripture like this. He compared it to painting a wall. He said, the reading of a scriptural book is a little like painting a wall. We accept in principle that it's something that has to be done every few years. It can never be finished permanently. Probably we will use the occasion of repainting to change the color somewhat to correspond with current needs, and the result will create a new ambiance in which to live. Two or three coats of paint are necessary to ensure total coverage of the wall. And in the process of applying each coat, we move back and forth, sometimes going over what has already been done, sometimes moving into new territory. A lot of repetition and overlap is needed to achieve a smooth finish, but when all is complete, only the harmony of the finished product is visible. See, reading scripture, engaging God's word, hearing from him, not being tossed about by the waves of the times and doubt, it requires us to put effort and energy into hearing from God in his word. You say, yeah, but Blake, I just, I've, I've tried scripture and I just don't feel like I hear from God. I empathize. And let me suggest to you that there's a difference between asking God questions and letting God speak. You see, asking God questions always starts from your heart, and it moves to his word. But letting God speak starts from his word, and it changes your heart. It's a subtle thing, but man, too often we come to God's word with an agenda, trying to, to figure out what it says about this or that. And many times if we would just have a plan to, to let God's word speak to us, to consistently be in his word time and time again, day after day after day, that's when God does his greatest work. Don't get me wrong. I always want to encourage you to, to get in the Word, however that happens. But I really want to encourage you to start with the Word instead of starting with your heart. 
Commit to a plan that pushes you to read through Scripture so that God speaks to you instead of allowing your heart to do all the talking. If you want a simple way to, to start with this, uh, I want to suggest to you to try a method that Robbie Gallaty talks about uh, called Hear Journaling. And he has a, a plan for the scriptures he's going to read. And each day he, he takes a simple page and he journals this. He highlights the one verse or thought, uh, the, the one piece of scripture that sticks out to him. And then he takes time to, to think about how that is explained. Like, where, like who, who said this in scripture? What part of the Bible is it in? Uh, what was the author trying to, to say? And then he takes time to apply it to his life. And then he writes a response. That response may be a prayer. It may be something he's going to do that day. But it helps him to hear from God as he reads Scripture. And you say, well, Blake, that sounds good, but I know that I'm going to fail at that. I'm going to need some accountability. And to that, I would say this is important enough to take time. Man, get in a group of three to five uh, people. Guys be with guys. Girls be with girls. And do this here journaling for a week and, and talk about what the Lord has taught you. If you need help getting started with this, please reach out to myself or one of our staff, and we'd be, be glad to do that. Because here's the reality, right? It's hard to just jump into hearing from God's Word when nobody has, has helped you do that before. You may have noticed me limping a little bit today. It's really hard to teach your son to skimboard when you don't know how to skimboard. It's tough. Sometimes it results in injuries. And um, the same is true with reading scripture, right? So moms and dads, as I challenge you to, to help your kid learn to read the word and to hear from God, I also totally recognize that that may be something that nobody has ever helped you do. And if that's true, there's no judgment in that. There's an invitation to step in and humbly say, I want to learn. I want to hear from the creator of the universe through his word. Let's engage in that process together. You may need someone to teach you, and that's okay. Go learn. If not for yourself, do it for your kids and for your grandkids so that they might be able to, to talk about the legacy of their faith in Christ. Why would we do all those things? Because we know that the solution to entering into God's rest is found right here in verses 12 and 13 when it says, the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. When we begin to hear from God's word, church, it cuts us deep. But when it does... We know what's true and what's not. We know what's good and from God, what is false and from our flesh. It judges the thoughts and intentions of our heart. It exposes us before our creator. But he lovingly covers us with his grace and his mercy. The blood of Jesus shed on the cross covers over each sin that condemns us. And so we go back to his living word again and again and again. Because when we do, right, this is the beauty. When we do, we feel whole. Being divided by his word shows us that we need to be removed, shows us what needs to be removed so that we can be who God created us to be and reject the things that are not from him. 
When we go back to his word, we walk with confident wisdom, knowing that God's word changes our hearts. It makes us desire more and more of him and the things that he desires. Man, when we go back to his word, we can live transparently. No fear of being a fake. Knowing that he has exposed everything. And at the same time, he has eliminated all the things by the power of the cross. We don't have to live in condemnation of the foolish mistakes that we've made or, or are making because his word continually points us back to his grace. God's word doesn't just give us answers. It's the only answer. So today, put a stake in the ground. Let it be an aha moment and commit to a plan that keeps you diving into scripture so that you will no longer be swept away by the waves of culture, fake news, and evil intentions. Let me pray for us. Spirit, you, you put God's word into us. You help us to understand it. And I pray today, God, that that, that would be true. That in this moment, in this place, uh, maybe even in places that uh, you know, are homes, living rooms, online, that your word is, has divided between what's real and what's not, what we need to invest our time and energy in and what we shouldn't be. And God, I just pray that in this moment, you would give to this church a hunger and a thirst for your word so great that they can't help but open the pages of scripture and taste and see that you are good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.